Jack is uh, the host of Darknet Diaries. And uh, Jack, first of all, tell us who you are. Uh, what's your background? And uh, you know, what, what was your life before podcasting? Yeah, I was. I worked for about ten years in um, as in a very technical role, doing uh, trying to detect hackers in the network and and um, doing infosec type stuff. And um, you know, while I was there doing that, I'd go to conferences and I would just hear so many people tell stories about this time hackers attacked their network or um, you know even stories from hackers about well, the time they did something. And I thought, you know what, we need to start capturing some of this stuff. And uh, putting it in, in story format, um, I didn't think I could do it justice, so I really didn't do much about it. I kind of told some other podcasters about it, but there just wasn't any podcast that was just tell, telling hacker stories. So um, I just eventually said, you know what, I might try it myself, and I started looking into it. And I, I kind of took the uh, kind of the NPR sound where it's This American Life and stuff. I wanted to add music behind it and interviews and stuff and play it like that. So I had to do a lot of research on how NPR did it. And eventually I uh, did enough research, probably about four months looking into how, how to do uh, storytelling. And I, I made my first episode and showed it to my friends and family, and they said, go for it. This is great. We can't wait to hear episode two. And it just kept going from there. So when did you launch your first episode? Um, about October of 2017, last year. Okay, so you've been doing them for a year now. Do you do them every week? No, um, I every two weeks, and for a little while I was doing it once a month. And the thing is, is that I put so much effort into every episode that um, I barely can keep up with every two weeks. You know, I'm I'm working on this actually full time now, and uh, it just takes the whole two weeks to get one episode out. Now I, I noticed that there's a lot of detail in your podcast. So how are you doing the research? Is it all searching, searching the web? Uh, so I tap on a lot of shoulders on, on Twitter and, and at conferences and say, hey, I, I think I recognize you from a story or, or something. Do you have any sort of story to share publicly? So I'll ask a lot of people. And then um, if I can't get someone to uh, agree to come on, then I'll start finding some some stories that have already been covered. And all the stories I've done so far have all just been stories that have already been covered or, or somebody telling me their own private story. But um, I'm starting to get into some investigative journalism stuff where I'm going to research something that I don't think anybody's researched before and try to come up with uh, answers to some problems. So after your friends and your family, the, the, the first episode, you, you know, you start pushing it out. How did you promote it? So for the last about seven years before that, I also kept a blog and um, that blog actually had some pretty good traction. I was I don't know what I'm getting, like 30,000 visitors a month to the blog. So, um, and I think that was a big help, right? Like writing and writing and writing and writing and writing like hundreds of articles for that blog to try to explain really technical concepts as simply as I can was, was just phenomenal for me to, to do this. So, um, the blog was just a huge help. And, and so I, I, I put links to my blog, my podcast on the blog. And so I get about seven clicks a day from my blog to my podcast. So, you know, seven new new people interested in the show a day is is pretty pretty good. And the thing about promoting something is you you, you don't you don't want to use big brush strokes. You kind of want to do little things and mm -hmm. very gradually go up and it's just it's not because you, you you have to or it's just because you have to. It's not because you don't want to. So, getting one new subscriber a day, five new subscribers a day is a really good goal at the beginning to um just 
it's it's doable you know you you, you think about well i i need to put a billboard in in a in a airport or something no that's not doable you're not going you're not going to be able to get to that point right away so how could i get one new subscriber today or five new subscribers today and i was doing things like um Reaching out to Twitter because, you know, I had a, a blog following already, so I had about uh, 5,000 Twitter followers, and that was a massive, massive way to have a good launch It's just to have an existing Twitter audience. And a lot of people try to grow their Twitter after they make a podcast, but really a lot of the more successful podcasters out there already had a Twitter following before they, they launched. Right. Now, the blog that you write, you said you had 30,000 followers or, or readers. What kind of information are they looking for? Um, that's just kind of like technical questions, stuff I would find out, some stuff I would be um, doing at work. So kind of lessons learned. You know, I was doing really technical stuff with firewalls and intrusion prevention systems and stuff. So I'd hit like some problems with that. Google question the problem. Nobody would have the answer, and so I'd have to figure it out on my own. That's perfect stuff to blog about, or just notes that I wanted to keep real handy. Uh, instead of looking through tons of white papers and 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 stuff to try to find answers to certain things, just Figure it out once and then blog about it, and so it's really simple to, to read uh, for, my re- for my record. So a lot of people just Google a question, they get to my blog, get the answer, and get out. It's not something where you're, you're, you're like learning about, I don't know, it's, it's not like a stream of thought or consciousness out of my mind. It's all very technical questions. So, Jack, this, this may sound like a dumb question, and tell me if it is, but is there really like a, a dark side of the Internet that, that there's a lot of people surfing on? Yeah, and I think um, I think what I wanted to capture uh, on my show is just kind of all that stuff that is kind of hidden, the stuff that's just below the surface, not really on the dark net per se, but just like, you know, stuff that's going on that we wouldn't ever see because it's secret, it's hidden, it's it's off off our radar on on just normal people looking at the internet. So that could include hacking. Uh, that you know, it could include stuff going on in the dark net. Um, and yeah, there's all kinds of chat rooms and forums and stuff where um, people figure, if people get together and they plan certain, I don't know, takedowns or attacks or <laughs> or theft of things. And yeah, it's kind of like a uh, often often where a lot of this stems from is teenagers playing video games mm. late into the night, learn how to like cheat in the game. And then they say, well, what could I do in the real world? How could I cheat the real world? And then they figure out a hack on a certain website or something to do something else. And the thing is, is that these teenagers, they have like they, – they stay up late at night to get like really into whatever they're doing. I mean I was there too, right? I stay up all night uh, even in college working on some video game or something. And then you just get drawn into the next thing like you know, programming or something. And so they just have all this time and, and energy and motivation to just do something crazy. And so they end up – uh, you know, learning how to hack, and a lot of stuff just comes from that kind of space. So, is it is it really easy to, or how easy is it to hack into a bank or hack into a government uh, a database? Uh, it sounds like it sounds like we're reading about that all the time. Yeah, the um, it's it. If you go, if you try to go to the front gates and try to hack in through the you know the front door kind of thing, it's really hard. You're not going to get anywhere. the The easy thing is that you can send a phishing mail email to somebody who works there, and they can click click it, and they can get infected, and now you have control over somebody, you know, maybe a teller's computer or something, right in the bank, and and so the humans are usually the biggest weakness still. And there, there's not a good solution to um, keeping them 
uh, keeping securing that kind of thing because everyone has some sort of excitement, you know, like, oh, there's there's money waiting for me. What's this email? Or this is the <laughs> this is the uh, the spreadsheet for all the payroll for the whole company. Well, how did why did somebody accidentally send this to me? You know, and so they have this curiosity, they have this ego, they want to figure it out, and um, and you know they'll click on it and open it, and it says, do you want to install these macros and enable this JavaScript? And you're like, yeah, I want to see this whatever's in this email. I want to see it. So um, Crazy. people get get hacked a lot that way. So uh, you're a year into the podcast now. Uh, first of all, when you first started, and even now, what equipment are you using, and who's hosting it? You know, tell us the uh, you know the the kind of nuts and bolts of how you got started there with the equipment and the hosting and all that. Yeah, great question. I'm glad you asked me specifically because I have a lot to say about this. Um, I started with uh, uh, just a USB mic that I already had, which was the Blue Snowball, and I wanted to start without any extra cost. And I started with the Blue Snowball, and I started hosting with Amazon uh, free tier for like a year or something like that, saying, okay, you know, no extra cost. And and, and I was using Audacity to uh, to, to do. So it was, it's literally zero cost. And I think that's the best way to do anything for a hobby, right, is just bring together the equipment that you have and see what you can make with, with your own stuff. Um, I hate having this limitless capability because then you end up, realizing your creativity is really the thing that's or your motivation or your drive is really what's the limiting factor here and it's not really the equipment and so taking a really limited uh, pieces of equipment and and seeing how far you can go with that is always a big goal for me so i use just you know this this equipment that i had for a long time the free stuff until that didn't work and uh, you know in in a few months the aws free tier was up i had used all the space that i did and so I moved to Libsyn, which which is a great hosting provider. But after, at the same time, I thought, okay, I'm I'm five episodes into this. People are starting to like it. I'm going to upgrade my microphone. So I got the uh, Shure SM58, which is um, uh, probably an eighty dollar microphone, is what I paid for it. Really rugged. It had a great a lot of great sound quality to it. I like the the intimacy and the closeness that you get out of that sound from that mic and so you know i I still bought that used from ebay in fact it's dented it's it's (laughs) it's very uh uh, worn but it was a it was perfectly sounding mic so um it's a really rugged mic and i knew even if it was dented it'd be fine and um i well i think all the stuff i bought was always used and then um you know uh, that goes for another six or eight months and i kick up like a patreon and some fans start supporting the show and you know what they want is a better quality show and so i used the money from patreon to just recently buy the shure sm7b which has been my dream mic since the beginning and um you know listener supported kind of thing is is the approach i i recommend a lot of people do um use what you already have or get very cheap or borrow in fact i did borrow mics for a long time as well before uh, actually buying my own because you don't want to spend $500, $1,000 on something and then just three, five, seven episodes later you quit and now you've got all this equipment that you're never going to use again. Um, so yeah, take it the slow, cheap way and make your audience pay for your equipment. Now, if if people go on your website, they'll see you. It's kind of an eerie picture. I'm, I'm not sure if that's a picture of you or a drawing or a logo, but tell us what that is because it fits exactly fits right into uh, your content. Yeah, I I got on Fiverr and I had somebody draw me a uh, version of a photo that uh, that was of me, 
and I use that as my avatar everywhere. And I kind of wanted a little bit stylized version of um, of me, and not so much uh, an exact photo, you know, and then what photo to use and all that. But um, you know, a little cartoon image is what it is. And I really, I just really like the style of it, and and I've been using that everywhere. Okay, you said Fiverr. Yeah, Fiverr is a place where you can uh, outsource. Um, all kinds of things. You can get podcast editors there. You can get graphic designers there. All kinds of stuff. And how is that spelled? I, I've never even heard of that before. I, I know I F- should. Sure, it's f i v e r r dot com. Gotcha. gotcha. Now, um, when I was listening, I also noticed you had uh, Casper as one of your sponsors. So obviously, the show is doing great. Uh, just recently, I joined Megaphone and uh, turned on the Megaphone targeted marketing place. And this allows me to um, put in ads that are not made by me, but are dynamically inserted by Megaphone. So, um, you know, if you're looking for a new bed, you might get the Casper ad. If you live in Seattle, you might get a coffee ad. It's it's all based on your on where you are in the world, and maybe what um, what you your previous online shopping habits have been. It's really fascinating the way that they do dynamic ad insertion. But, yeah, the the answer is um, I'm getting currently about 40,000 downloads per episode. And that is just now making me say, okay, I better start monetizing this. So I am currently looking for ads, deals, and sponsors. Cool. So 40,000 is, is an excellent number. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like you're going to have a problem getting uh, sponsors for that. What number of sponsors do you want to limit it to? Because that's always the dilemma. You don't want to have too much clutter in there because obviously people are there to hear you. Yeah, I I had to shop around for quite a while to find somebody willing to agree to the number of sponsors that I wanted in. And that's only two, two, um, two ads per episode. And um, some of the bigger networks, I actually got approached by numerous big networks and they said, no, we won't do it for less than three or four ads per episode. And, I, and I'm like, that's just too many. I, I don't want to even, you know, I, I'm okay with two and I don't want to, I like, that's my limit. I don't want to go over that. So I, it took me a while to find somebody who would agree to that. Well, can you tell us who those networks were? No. <laughs> okay. I noticed you have, I mean, you're, you're doing great, man. You have 421 people on, on the Patreon account and you know, 1200 bucks. That's, that's a, that's a killer month right there. Yeah, yeah, it's really looking good on Patreon. I would like to go 100% uh, no ads, um, but I, I did quit my job to do this full time, so I need something now. I'm kind of in a dip, you know. I'm running out of cash, so I, I need something <laughs> to just get me through it. Come and on, people, he's like, running out of cash now. Let's go, <laughs> let's go. This is great stuff here. Uh, so I think um, as I get through that, I'll be able to pull, pull, pull back the ads again. And um, you know, I got other plans in the works. I, I may write a book. I may write. Uh, make a. a a, uh, a online video course, and I think that's where I think that's where the big money is in podcasting is to use your existing influencer status or your you know the size of your audience to sell them on the next thing you're making. And and if you you know sell something else to them and they're already big fans of yours, chances are they're gonna they're gonna buy your next thing. Right. Now the last episode that you did was about the IRS, and you had uh, snippets of the IRS uh, director talking about. Uh, the money, I mean, the, the the content of the clips wasn't as important as uh, I'm wondering, do you have to get permission for those? Well, that was a, a Senate hearing, and Senate hearings are public domain, so I did not have to get permission to use those. Um, I do use a lot of music in my show, but I did pay a, a licensing fee that lets me use music. I use a, a place called Epidemic 
Epidemic Sounds. Let me double check that. Yes, Epi- Epidemic Sounds, mm-hmm. and they let they gave me a, a one year license to use as many songs as I wanted in my podcast. Um, and um, there are a lot of free places to get music online. Um, what you're looking for is Creative Commons free music. Now there, I, I'll just stop there. What 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 did that cost you? You remember? I got I found like a big sale on it, so I'm gonna say probably around three hundred or four hundred dollars a year. Okay, gotcha. So um, now now that you're doing this uh, it's, uh, so often, and you quit your job, um, you know how are you gonna how are you gonna make it work? What's your what's your next step? What's your plan to make a full time good living at it? Yeah, so the ads I think are gonna start bringing in. So here's the thing with the uh, megaphone. Um, it's a hosting provider. I moved from Libsyn. I really love Libsyn. I highly recommend Libsyn for everyone. But what Megaphone lets me do is dynamically insert ads, which would allow me to monetize the whole back catalog. So even though I'm getting 40,000 listeners per episode, I get about 200,000 downloads a month. So if I can monetize all those past episodes, all that 200, I'm really looking at 200,000 downloads a month of monetizing and and that's what's that's what's great right now is to be able to go back into all those episodes because when people find the show, they often binge listen to at least seven episodes before <clears throat> falling off. Right. So getting them the new listeners to get through, you know, I mean, it's the show's growing, and um, we can get into we can get into this if you want. But I, I do a lot of uh, marketing of the show, and I've listened to a ton of uh, podcasts about marketing. And read a lot of books on marketing, and so I, I think that in 2019 my show is going to double in size. Nice. And and you know having that back catalog monetized is really going to be helpful. So what uh, what are one or two of your favorite marketing podcasts or uh, yeah podcasts? Just in case other people out there you know want to log on and listen to them. One or two favorites. <laughs> it's hard to choose. Um, I, I have, I pull a little bit about from everybody here. So Gary Vaynerchuk, I think has been a big influence of mine to just kind of get off my butt and start doing something. Right. Um, he can be a little rough around the edges, um, <laughs> because he'll yell at you and call you names and, and wonder why you haven't done anything. Um, <clears throat> let me see here. The, yeah. um, the smart passive income one with Pat Flynn has always been a favorite of mine. Um, the Tim Ferriss show has really given me a lot of ideas. Yep. And then there's littler ones like um, Everyone Hates Marketers, which is by a French guy. Uh, that one has a lot of really great ideas. Online Marketing Made Easy by uh, Amy Porterfield is great. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of them out there. So excellent. So um, a- anything else that that you want people to know about how you threw in the towel on your day job and you decided to just just you know, jump in with both feet and become a podcaster? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that was kind of a scary leap, but at the same time, I was burnt out at work. So I needed something new. Um, the thing that I think really made me realize, you know, I've got something here is the amount of fan mail I got. There was just so many emails and so many people messaging me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook saying, man, this show is Oh, unbelievable. I had to sit my whole family down and have them listen to this one episode because they needed to understand this. Like there's there's hacking stories that your family doesn't get to hear very often because you maybe as a techie um, didn't share it with them or, or, or something. And I explain it in a simple way that even 
it's even reachable by a bigger audience. And so, you know, I, I hear people telling me that their nine-year-old kid listens and even their their grandma listens. And I'm just like, I'm I'm hitting something here. I've got something that if if these people love it so much that they're willing to take the time out of their day to explain in like six paragraphs how my show has changed their life or influenced them in some way, you know, some people are telling me they changed their career, then I know I've got something here. I just need to set it on fire <laughs> and this thing could be my career. And so that's that was where that's what I kind of set up before leaping into it. I was podcasting for probably six months before quitting my job. Now, do you ever have guests on, or is it mostly you doing the show with the research and the sound bites and the music? Yeah, I do have a lot of guests on. Um, uh, some of them are, are ex-hackers, where maybe they've even been to prison and, and come back uh, and, and trying to redeem themselves, but still have a good story to tell. And um, others are, are FBI agents that I've interviewed, um, anyone that's been involved with some sort of hacking incident. And trying to find those guests is, is very difficult. Like I was saying earlier, I tap a lot of shoulders. And I just get a lot of no, no answer or just no, can't talk about it because, mm -hmm. you know, I hear about something in the news and I'm like, hey, this person just did this. Here they are on Twitter. Let's see if they want to tell their story um, and they don't want to talk about it. And so they're, they're, I do spend a lot of time trying to get people to talk. And then one of the things I'm, I'm not so good at is, is organizing time and calendars and, and, and setting this kind of schedule up. But it, it does, I go through a ton of people. And in fact... Sometimes I get someone on my show and they're 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 just kind of a dud. It doesn't it didn't work out. Their their story isn't as exciting as I thought, and um, it just doesn't go. And that's a, kind of another thing you got to do is is kind of filter your show to be at the quality you really want it to be. And if something you, you know you got a guest all set up and it just doesn't turn out right, um, just gotta let it go. How and, much and, and filtered out? How much time editing are you putting into each show? I'd say about uh, 60 hours. So no 60 hours, I think it takes to make each episode. That's not just editing. Wow. So, um, you know, I have to write. I write every word that I, I say on the show. And so there's a lot of writing and a lot of research. And then, um, and, you know, the interview and then cutting up the interview. There's a lot of cutting it up the interview. I don't just take it and post it. I, uh, I, I take, you know, a little bit from the end of the interview and put it here. I take a little bit from the middle and I put it there. And I, I talk all around it and this kind of stuff. And then there's a lot of music to be added as well. So it's just, it's just a ton of work to be put into it. And um, the, the, the next question I had was um, advice that you have for any podcasters out there that are thinking. I, I know you're not going to say quit your day job tomorrow, but what uh, advice do you have for, uh, for people uh, that are interested in, in eventually making a living out of it? Yeah, I think there's three biggest challenges that uh, that you should be familiar with as a podcaster, and and the first one is creating a great show. Um, mediocre shows and good shows don't spread. Nobody's like, oh, I've, I heard this really mediocre show. I want you, I want to tell you about it. And that never happens. People only say, hey, I listened to this amazing episode of this one podcast. You have to hear it, and that's how your stuff spreads. And so making getting such a high quality show is like the biggest challenge you're going to first face. And you can get over that by pumping out a lot of content mm -hmm. and just doing it and doing it and doing it and practicing. And that might take years before you finally get to a point where it's good. And pretty much uh, uh, a lot of the big time podcasters, they seem like overnight successes, but there's probably 
five or 10 years of hard work that went into that before they got to that point. Maybe they were already on the radio or doing some other podcast or, or stand-up comics in, in, in nightclubs or something that already got them to the point where they feel good at what they're doing. And they're not just grabbing their phone, hitting record and saying, let's just talk about my day. Those low effort shows are going to have a really hard time picking up. So you got to put a lot of focus on making great show. And the second biggest uh, problem you're going to hit is um, marketing the show. And a lot of people who finally, you know, make a great show, they don't know how to market it. And, and, and the thing is, is that there's no secret about marketing a podcast. It's the same as marketing anything. You market a blog, you market a product, you market your, your favorite song, whatever. It's all the same. Um, get, on, get on social media because that's where everyone is. You know, billions of people are there looking at their phones instead of looking at the road while they're driving down the street. They're <laughs> looking at their phones. So get in front of them. Wherever they are, get in those conversations that's you know, in your niche and, and just be part of whatever world your audience is in. Be there with them and you're going to get you know, people picking up on what you're putting down. And then the last challenge that you're going to face is um, sustaining it. You know, a lot of people quit after five episodes, seven episodes, ten. And you know, as you get going, you're going to uh, maybe need some money to keep it going and, and you know, motivation and stuff. And so – Figuring out how to make a high-quality show without burning yourself out too fast or pumping out so many episodes. You want to pump out as many episodes as you can that doesn't burn yourself out as well. So I cut, I cut back to once a month because I was feeling burnt out by podcasting. Even though I even quit my job, I could still only put out one a month, which was it's crazy to think. You know, I've quit my job. I'm doing this full-time, but I'm still only doing once a month. And if you look at, like, you know, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, he only puts one out every few months. And mm-hmm. so... But the thing is, is when he does it, he brings such high quality to every single episode. And so he does it in a way that's not burning himself out. If he wakes up one day, he doesn't want to podcast. He doesn't have to because he's not on a schedule, right? So you you get your, you set yourself goals that you're you're continually making things because that's how you're going to make better. But you don't want to over overextend yourself so you burn out. And the other part of of uh, sustaining yourself is is making money off of it. And that's that's kind of a skill all on its own. In fact. I don't even want to get into that because it's I, I'm overworked already. So that's why I hired an agency who's who's I'm paying thirty percent of all my of my podcast income to them to help me find the sponsors and get all the get all the uh, you know monetization of it. Wow. Well, Jack, we're out of time. You are awesome, man. Very motivational, and I'm sure everybody that listens to this uh, will agree with that. How can people listen to your show, reach you, follow you, lay it all out there? So. Um, people can get in contact with you and follow you. Yeah, I love uh, I love helping meet people out. So you can uh, you can reach out to me on on Twitter. I'm Jack Recider, and um, you can listen to my show Darknet Diaries. But I also blog about a lot of things podcasters uh, can get tips on and stuff. And my blog this is a, a new blog I started making. It's called Lime Link, and that's uh, the, the URL is lime dot link. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. as simple as that. Gotcha. Well, thanks a lot so much for coming on, Jack. I really appreciate it. Good luck, and I, I hope to have you on again And uh, where you're telling us you're making tens of thousands of dollars per episode. All right. Good luck, and I hope you make a ruckus. <laughs>